Hello and welcome to Living Word Ministries. We're impacting lives and changing the world. Join us as we dive into the Word of God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. It's a great day. It's a wonderful day. It is the day that the Lord has made, and we will rejoice, and we will be glad in it. Father, I just want to bless you this morning. I thank you, Father, for the gift of life. Thank you for the gift of salvation. Thank you, Father, for the gift of being able to come together to hear your word. The Bible says how good and how pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity. We thank you because we, as your body, have this morning partaken of communion together. One vision, one hope, one Christ, one Savior. We thank you, Father, for the togetherness. We thank you, Father, for the love of God that has been shared abroad in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. This morning, Father, I ask that you anoint my mouth. Let, my word, let the words not be mine, but the ones that come from the throne of grace to break yokes, to heal, to encourage, to restore. Let nothing I say today, Father, be from my own tongue, but from the throne of the Almighty God. I ask, oh God, to help me, Father, to be coherent. Help me, Father, to speak with simplicity. Father, even as the words come through, Father, that even I will be blessed. It will be words for each and every one. That no one, Father God, will go back the same as they have come in the name of Jesus. These words would empower us. They would change us. They would turn our lives around. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Church, it's going to end in praise. It's going to end in praise. Let's say that. It will end in praise. No matter what it is that we're going through. No matter what the obstacles are on the way. Because the Bible says that all things, not just some things, all things work together for good for them that love God and are called according to his purpose. So if we are called, if we love God, let us be rest assured that we will get to our Canaan land. Hallelujah. So over the past week, or last week, we've been talking about vision. And we started off by looking at the vision that God gives us as an individual. And one of the things that I said last week is that the vision that God gives us, even though he gives it to us as individuals, that vision is always linked to generations to come. 
And when we study the word of God, we will see clearly that every single person that God gave a vision to, it was not just for themselves. That vision was to, to benefit them and to benefit the generations to come. Amen. So what I'm going to look at today is, you know, let's look. At, I'm going to finish off that bit and link it in with sort of like the global vision. And what do I mean by that? The vision that God has given to, to individuals for, for generations, the vision that God has given to us, Living Word Ministries. They, and I want to tie that in to our theme for this month, which is Relationship Goals. Hallelujah. So we, you know, we, we established last week the importance of us waiting on God, you know, for, 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 for that vision that though it tarries, wait for it. And that is why I said earlier on that it will end in praise. So even though that vision at this point in time, you don't see the clarity of it, you know, be patient Knowing that God who has started a good thing in you will bring it to perfection and to completion in the mighty name of Jesus. As long as we do not give up, as long as we, 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 we do not faint, it will come to pass. Hallelujah. You know, we said last week that a, a spiritual vision is a supernatural encounter that conveys a future revelation. And that could be by way of a translap, could be by way of a dream, or even any way that God chooses in his infinite mercy to speak to us. One thing I know that we've now established is we cannot box God up. God does not work in a certain manner. He chooses how he works with each individual. And what's important is that each one of us are sensitive to the spirit of God. Hallelujah. So we're going to try and connect those dots this morning. You see, it's interesting that, you know, we look at February and many people talk about February. Oh, it's the month of love. You know, the Bible tells us that for God sent his son, you know, for God so loved the world. That he gave us his son. That whoever believed in him would not perish but have eternal life. He gave us. But it was out of the love that he had for us that he gave us. And this morning I was meditating. And I was saying, isn't it amazing that to every single child that gets born, I can just visualize the angels of God saying, for God so loved you. For God so loved you. For God so loved you. So every single person that gets born, that gets, has that assurance. And we said last week, everyone has been given a vision. It's for us to find out what it is. We don't get to decide, but we get to find out what it is. Hallelujah. So 1 John 4.9, just to recap on that, it says, it says, God showed us how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. Every single day, every single day, God's love for us is 366 days of the year. I say 366 because of the leap year. 
Every single day. You know, I was ministering to someone during the week, and I said, for every day of the year, you can find a fear not. Or do not be afraid. Or do not be dismayed. So that means that every single day, there's an opportunity for life to throw fear at us. But every single day, there's also an opportunity for us to pick the word of God and say, this is what the word of God says concerning this situation. Hallelujah. So this morning, I'm going to look at a, a couple of people in scriptures and maybe a, a few more, um, given time, and how God has used them through the vision that he gave to them, and we are today benefiting from that vision. And, you know, while I say this, let me just say something on the, on the side. You know, we are all on the stage of life. Every single one of us are on that stage, and we have an opportunity to make an impact. So my question to us this morning is when you get onto that stage, what impact are you going to make? Are you going to be riding on the glory of the vision that God gave to Benny Hinn or to Brother Hagin? What about the vision he gave to you? It's great for us to, to read about these people. It's wonderful. But what about me as an individual? What impact am I making for the generations to come? Because sooner or later, by the time you get to probably my great-grandchildren, that name, Kenneth Hagee, might be so far removed. So there must be someone in my generation or my children's generation that they can hold on to and say, this person served God. And be able to hold on to that vision. We have been handed a button. We must not drop it. <laughs> Let me, I'm going to read another scripture very quickly. Bear with me this morning. Um, Jeremiah, oopsie, Jeremiah chapter 1. Um, Jeremiah chapter 1. The Bible says, before I formed you in, your, in the womb, I knew you and approved of you as my chosen instrument. And before you were born, I consecrated you for myself as my own. I have appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Then I said, ah, Lord God. Behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a young man. I am only a young woman. But the Lord says, uh-uh, do not say, I am only a young man. Because everywhere I send you, you shall go. And wherever I command you, you shall speak. It says, do not be afraid of them. For their hostile, all their hostile faces. For I am with you 
always to protect you and deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord stretched out his hand and touched my mouth. Hallelujah. That is the scripture that I stand on. That is the scripture that I stand on. And also Jeremiah 29, 11, which, you know, I quote so often. Every single one of us has an assignment. And, you know, Auntie Naomi said this on Friday during Bible study. Our assignment from God is always bigger than us. If you have an assignment and it's something that you can, you know, you, can, you, you, you easily can do, you will not trust God for it. Every Sunday I have to stand here, right? I have to seek God and say, God, it's only you. I come here, I do my best to the glory of God. But if God was not on my side, if God does not help me, I would not be able to do what I do. Because this assignment is too big for me. And that is why we have to trust God every single step of the way. Amen? Amen. So when God gives us a vision, and we say, oh, I cannot speak, or I cannot do. With God, what does the Bible say? All things are possible. He says, be not afraid. Do not be dismayed. I would, I would uphold you. I will be with you. I would uphold you with my righteous right hand. And if God is for us, who can be against us? So the Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 15, verse 6. I'm actually going to start from verse 1. Can I have verse 1 up, please? Genesis 15, 1. Hallelujah. Let's start off with that. It says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. That was God's promise to Abraham, right? And in verse 6, it says, And he believed. Who? Abraham believed in the Lord. And it was counted to him for righteousness. That's the KJV, uh, KJV version. The NLT says, And Abraham believed the Lord. And the Lord counted him as righteous. Why? Because of his faith. So there was a reason why. Because of his faith. Whose faith? Abraham's faith. Not God's faith. Abraham's faith. Now, don't forget that Abraham was actually the son of an idol worshiper. He did not come out of righteousness. So God took him. He pulled him from the Mary clay and set his foot. But in God pulling Abraham, Abraham, Abraham did something. He yielded. He obeyed. He trusted God. And we're going to talk about that a bit later. 
So I want us to hold on to that. The Amplified says, Then Abraham believed in, affirmed, and trusted in, relied on, and this is the one that I really like, remained steadfast to the Lord. Remained steadfast. How steadfast are we to the vision that God has given us? How often do we give up and do we give in? Abraham remained steadfast. And God counted it and accredited it to him as righteousness. I.e. doing the right thing in the presence of God and man. Hallelujah. But let's look at this. It did not start in chapter 15. That wasn't the first encounter that Abraham had with God. So if we go back a few chapters, go back to chapter 12. And we're going to break it down a bit. So Genesis chapter 12 I'll start from verse 1. I'm not going to read through everything, but I'm going to pick up some verses. He says, the Lord, the Lord had said to Abraham. Now, I know that Bible scholars might say, okay, how did the Lord say to Abraham? I don't know, right? One thing I know is that there was a conversation between God and Abraham. I don't know if it was in a dream. I don't know if it was in a transport. Abraham's ears were inclined to the Lord. And he recognized that that voice was the voice of God. Hallelujah. And God gave him a command. He said, leave your native country, your relatives. Someone say your relatives. Your relatives. relatives. Amen. And your father's family. And go to the land I will show you. Not the land that you want to go to. The land I will show you. And it says, I will make you into a great nation. Now, February, right? You leave, you cleave. We're talking relationships. Now, I'm trying to pull the dots together. Abraham, or Abraham as he was then, had to leave and cleave to the word of the Lord for him to receive the promise. Relationships. Right, it says, I will make you into a great nation. Now, can we be clear on this? If Abraham did not live, would God be able to make him into a great nation? No, so he had to live for that promise. He said, and then he goes on, he says, I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. So I would not, this vision is not just for you. This vision is for you and is for others. It says, I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. It says, all the family, families of the earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham departed as the Lord instructed That's a good step, isn't it? Right? Leave. He departed. But what does that next bit say? What does that next bit say? So Abraham, let's go back. So Abraham departed as the Lord had instructed. And what? 
Hold on. Let's, let's go. No, no, no. Let's go back to verse 1. What did God say? Leave your what? Right. Is Lot a relative? Did God not say leave your relatives? Okay. This father of faith, the first instruction he gets from God. Uh Uh-uh. But, oh my goodness. And Lot went with him. My English tells me Lot was his nephew. Nephew is relative. Even though God said, leave your relatives behind. So he took his wife, fair enough, his nephew Lot, and all his wealth. Well, God didn't say leave your wealth behind, so that's cool. His, his livestock and all the people that he had taken into his household, God didn't say leave those. So in that respect, he was obedient. But do you see a sense of disobedience there? Wow, that gives me a bit of confidence. And you say, why? And I'll tell you why in a second. Right? He took all he had with him. And the Bible says, when they arrived in Canaan, Abraham traveled through the land as far as Shechem. Right? There he set up camp beside the oak of Moreh. At that time, the area was inhabited by Canaanites. He said, then the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, did he say to him, I told you not to take your relatives and you took lots and you are on your own. Is that what he said to him? No. No. And that's why I say it gives me confidence that even though we miss it sometimes, we have a God that is faithful. As long as our hearts are in the right place. You know what? He might have misunderstood. God would not say, oh, you know what? You missed it one time. That's it. I'm done with you. Eh? God still appeared to him to speak to him. And he says... I will give you this land, even though at this point in time, Lot was with him. God still goes ahead and says, this is my promise concerning you. This is the vision that I have for you. And Abraham builds an altar and dedicates it unto the Lord, who had appeared to him. And after that, the Bible says, Abraham traveled south. And set up camp in the hill country between Bethel in the west and Ai in the east. Then he built another altar and dedicated it unto the Lord and he worshipped the Lord. And Abraham continued. Now, when you look at the life of Abraham, right? He was sort of like progressive. Right? Both physically and spiritually. He traveled a lot. Now, if you cast your mind back to Chapter 11, God, he, he traveled before he got to chapter 12 with his father, uh, his father was given an instruction. So he had been traveling and traveling and traveling. But as he was traveling, God was unveiling to him the promises that he had for him. 
But at every stage, there were obedience. Yes, there was that disobedience about taking Lot, and we don't really know the circumstances. But it gives someone like me confidence because you can be genuinely wrong when it comes to the promises of God. And that is why the Bible says of David, he is a man after my own heart. There were things that David did, my goodness. We're not even going to start on that. But he was always quick to repent. So, let's, do, let's carry on because of, of time. It says, and I'm going into verse... Um, into chapter 13. He says, So Abraham left Egypt and traveled north into the Negev along with his wife and Lot and all that they owned. Abraham was very rich in livestock and silver and gold. And he says, From the Negev they traveled, they, were, they continued traveling by stages towards Bethel. And they pitched their tents between Bethel and Ai. Have we not heard of that before? This was the same place that they had camped before. And they built an altar where they worshipped the Lord again. Verse 5 says, Lot, who was traveling with Abraham, also had become very wealthy with the flock of sheep and goats and herds of cattle and many tents. But at this point in time, can I present to you that Lot had become excess baggage. He was no longer a blessing. And I say this to us to say, there are times, we've, this month or last month we were talking about times and seasons. There are people that God brings into your life for times and seasons. And as we've heard that from uh, T.D. Jakes so many times, when that season is over, let them go. Because if that season is over and you keep holding on, they don't, they're no longer a blessing. And every good that would have been done will now be undone. So it's important for us to know the times and the seasons Lot's season with Abraham was already over. Maybe it was time for Lot to go and impact somebody else's life or Abraham to impact somebody else's life. But together, they were a disaster. And that's why the Bible says that the land was no longer able to support both Abraham and Lot and their flock and their herds. So disputes broke out between the headsman. Says, and finally, Lot said to uh, Abraham, said to Lot, let not let not uh, uh, let us not allow conflict to come between our headsmen. After all, we are close relatives. The whole country is open to you. Take your choice of any section of the land you want, and we will separate. Now, Lot was not a bad person. But at that point in time, the vision that God had for both of them was over. Abraham said, if you go to the left, 
I'll take the land on the right. If you prefer the right, I'll go to the left. And the Bible says, <laughs> Lot took a long look. Say long look. Long look. I call that a long look of greed. At the fertile plains of the Jordan Valley, Valley in the direction of Zoar. It says the whole area was well watered everywhere, like the green garden of the Lord or the beautiful land of Egypt. And this was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. It said, Lot chose for himself the whole Jordan Valley of the East. And I've written in my notes, greed and hindrance. It says he went there with his flock and servants and parted company with his uncle. So Abraham settled in the land of Canaan and Lot moved his, moved his tents to a place near Sodom and settled among the city of, of the plain. Now, verse 14 is very, very crucial to the study. What does it say there? After Lot had gone. After Lot had gone. What are the lots in our lives? What is a lot, figuratively speaking, in our lives that God is waiting for us to get rid of? For him to unveil the promise to us. What are those things? It might not be a physical person. It could be behaviors. It could be in, we're in a place we shouldn't be. It could be certain things that we're doing that we should not be doing. What are those lots? Years ago, there was a message I listened to, and I will never forget it. Reverend Williams ministered that message. He says, the lot in me. I've got it on cassette. Cassette. <laughs> I refuse to throw it away. The title is, the lot in me. And that lot could be anything. There are certain things that God is... We're saying we're waiting on God. God, show me. After all, you said in your word, Jeremiah 33, 3. Call upon me and I will answer. I will show you great and mighty things that you do not know. And God is saying, yes, I'm waiting on you too. God can wait for eternity. We, we haven't got eternity. We've got 100 years. Yeah, that's the best. And God is saying, I'm waiting on you to get rid of that person, to get rid of that situation, to get rid of that behavior. As soon as you let go, oh, you, 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 the, you will have full attention for me. Let me tell you something. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't watch as much telly as I used to watch. I'm not on the phone as often as I used to be. Because I don't have enough hours in the day to even study. This morning, God was saying, telling me some things in the shower. I'm like, Lord, not again. In the, in the shower, come on. Do I, should I, take, do I have to take my, my journal to the shower? So I had to start recite, rem, trying to remember so that when I come out, I can make a note of it. God is always speaking. 
But if we clog our minds up with things that are not spiritually beneficial, then we don't have time for God. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying don't watch TV, right? But I'm saying let us make time for God. Let the time that we make for God, let it be more than the time we make for things that are of no spiritual benefit to us. There are things that I, yes, intentionally listen to. But there are things that I have, I have no benefit to me. And I ask myself, is this, is this a credit or is it a debit? The lot in us. So after Lot left, the Lord said to Abraham, Ah, now I have your full attention. Now I know that when I speak, you would hear. Not only would you hear, you would take action. And then what did he say? He said, look, shine your eyes well, well. Because I am about to show you something that is not a spec saver's vision. And it's not vision express. I am about to show you something that the ordinary eyes cannot see. Look as far as you can see in every direction, everywhere. North, south, east, west. It says, I'm going to give you. I am giving you all this land as far as you can see. And not only to you, I'm giving it to your descendants. The vision is not just for him. Your descendants as a permanent possession. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. A permanent possession. You know, the giftings and the callings of God are without repentance. If we do not fulfill destiny, it is not God's fault. It's ours. It says, and I will give you, and I will give you so many descendants that like the dust of the, of the earth, you cannot count. It says, go. Go and walk on the land. So just go, you know. Hey, step here. Step here. Step here. Step here. Because from where he is, there was no way he can walk to the end. So figuratively, you know, he did it as a seed. North, south, east, west. I don't know if it's correct, but you, you get what I mean. He stood at each direction and he claimed the promise of God. And the Bible says, So Abraham moved his camp to Herob and settled near the oak grove belonging to Mamre. Then he built another altar unto the Lord. One thing that was prominent in those days was building of an altar as a memorial unto, unto the Lord. When the Lord speaks, you build an altar as a remembrance. What altars are we building today as a memorial to what God has said to us? 
Yes, we've become technologically advanced. But that does not negate the fact that God is still speaking. That does not negate the fact that we need to journal. I have journals in my... Things I've written down 10 years, 15 years ago. Notes. All those New Year resolutions. All those prayer points. I tell Nikki, you must not throw them away. If you don't want them, pass them to my grandchildren. I want my grandchildren to see the prayers that I prayed for them and for the ones that had not, have not yet come. I was saying to someone this morning, we were talking, and I said, I said, before I got married, before I got married, I was buying things for children because I knew that I would one day get married and I would have children. And I was not even saved then. Let us walk in the promises of God. But we have to walk in obedience. We have to walk in faith. You see, when they... When, when, I'm going to fast forward now to Mark chapter 8. When Jesus was in Bethsaida and they brought a blind man to him. The Bible says that he took the man... Some people came and said, oh, you know, would you please, begged him, would you heal our friend? But what did Jesus do? He took him and took him out of the village. Why could Jesus not heal him right there? He's all powerful. He could have done it. But God, Jesus needed to separate him from the people that he knew. He needed to separate him from certain situations. And God needs to sometimes separate us. The same way God separated Abraham from Lot. God needs to separate us from environment, from our comfort zone, so that the vision can be clear. You know, I, I, I watched a message on, on, on this. And, you know, it talked about God spitting <laughs> in the eyes of the man. Now, don't forget that this man could not see, but he could hear. So why, God, why Jesus was prepared, prepping that spit? He would have heard it. Now, I looked and thought, you know, when you look at politicians these days, Right? And I, I don't know if some of you have seen where, you know, there's some politicians and there's a gathering and someone just out of anger, out of hatred that you. So when you look at it now, culturally, when someone spits at somebody else, it's demeaning. Even though when you look back in scripture, in those days, Jesus spitting in the eyes of someone or taking mud and rubbing it was a sign of healing. But it was also a sign of something else. It was a sign of Jesus saying, my spit has my DNA and I'm going to rub my DNA into your DNA. And if your DNA has any infirmities, 
If your DNA has any lack, if your DNA has any, any drawdowns, any weaknesses, because you now have my DNA, all that turns around for your good. Everything turning around for your good. This morning we had communion together. We said we're taking the blood of Jesus. That blood is unblemished. That blood is sanctified. It has no sickness. It has no lack. It's a blood of abundance. It's a blood of healing. So every time we connect with God, we're connecting with provision. We're connecting with healing. We're connecting with abundance. We're connecting with God's perfect will for our lives. We're connecting with a God that has, there's no infirmities in him. And that's why the Bible says, the spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives within us. And that spirit quickens our mortal body. But it takes a number of things. You see, when Jesus took that man out of the village and Jesus put spit on his face or in his eyes, he said, what do you see? He says, I see, I can see a little bit. I see men like trees. So that means that the first time around, there was no clarity. But let me ask us something. If at that point in time, the guy has said, uh-uh, but you're Jesus. You should be able to do it one time now and walked away. What would have happened? He would have been in that state. He wouldn't have been able to see clearly. But he was patient. He believed. And that is why when Abraham, right, listened to his wife, and brought forth Ishmael. God did not say, I am done with you. God says, I am a God of second chances. Even though before that, he brought Lot, he wasn't supposed to. God is still saying, I am a God of second chances. And to us this morning, God is saying to us, you might have made mistakes. You might have derailed. You might have missed it. But my promise concerning you is still yea, and yea, and yea, and amen. As long as you would hang in there, as long as you will continue to believe, and as long as you will continue to trust in me, that promise will come to pass. Do not give up. Do not give in. That man held fast. And the second time around, he was able to see clearly. 2020. Hallelujah. Though it tarry, wait for it. Because it will surely come to pass. Let's be patient. Let us trust God. We have a God who is more than able you see, the God we serve is a God of possibilities. If you look at the life of 
our mother Sarah. At what age? At the age of 90, she brought forth. So don't say, oh, you know what? God gave me a promise when I was 20 years old. Now I'm 60. Now I'm 70. Uh-uh. <laughs> if God is God, that promise will come to pass. As long as we do not give up hope. Now the thing is, when we give up, there's nothing God can do. Because he does not, he will, he will not impress his will upon our will. So we need to hold on. I need to make sure that we continue to fan that vision. The fire must not die. The fire must not die. You see, Abraham's vision was for mankind. Paul's vision was to who? Who knows? Bible scholars, to who? Pardon? The Gentiles. Paul was called to the Gentiles. Now, can you imagine, what if Paul did not obey? I mean, yes, we can say God would raise, he would raise up stones. But times and seasons, Paul was obedient to his calling. And that is why the likes of me and you were able to hear the word of God. Joseph's vision was to save the Israelites from famine. What about Gideon? When God called Gideon, ah, hey, hey, Mike. And then what does he do? Ah, 22,000. And God said, you must be kidding me. 22,000, okay. Okay, let's reduce it, 10,000. And God said, nah, I'm not ready for you yet. He says, okay, I'll give you an assignment. All of you, you know, there was a methodology to it. How many people did it take to win? 300. That vision was too big for him. But if it's God's vision, it will surely come to pass. God would always do the impossible. You see, <laughs> when God is at work, man would not be able to comprehend. And that is why people say, ah, it's a miracle. It is because it is God. <laughs> when God said to Moses, I need you to go and deliver my people. He said, ah, I can't talk. Hey, I cannot talk. Because that vision was too big for him. And countless people in the Bible... Every, everyone I've looked at, the vision that God has given them has been bigger than them. But they were obedient. So as we pull this together, you know, they were obedient and they had a relationship. Now, you've heard, this, you've, you've heard of this terminology. It's in scripture. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But this week, do you know what God said to me? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of 
vision. Because if you do not fear the Lord, you will not have wisdom. If you do not have wisdom, you would not be able to see the vision. And if you do not see the vision, you cannot run with it. The fear of the Lord, the beginning of vision. So what is it that the Lord is saying to you? Living World Ministries has a vision. You, every single one of us, are part of this vision. We all have a part to play. Every single one has a part to play in this vision. So I'm asking us this morning, are you playing your part? And if you're not playing your part, why are you not playing your part? It's a question for each of us to answer. Someone puts it this way. said, vision is the art of seeing things that are unseen. Sight is seeing what everybody else sees. But vision is seeing what no one else sees but you. And that is why sometimes you need to go it alone. Eyes that look are common. Eyes that see are very rare. Because God gives you insight beyond the natural eyes. And God helps you to see the impossibilities as God sees it and as he has stated it in his words. You can only have what you see through the eyes of God. And that is why God was able to see that Sarah was going to have a child at the age of 90. God was, Jesus was able to see that even though Lazarus had been dead four days, he was only sleeping. God saw Joseph not as a prisoner, but as a prime minister. God saw Gideon as a mighty man of valor. How about you? What do you see? What do you see? I encourage us this morning. Let's see through the eyes of God. You are connected to Living Word Ministries. Living Word Ministries is connected to you. What is it God has spoken to each and every one of you about Living Word Ministries? Let us play our own part. Let us play our own part. Anything that God has planned for us has to be done through each and every one of us. Let's get involved. Let us get involved. God is waiting on us. You know, we pray, but there are things that God is wanting us to do. So if not anything else today, one thing I want us to know is that God has a vision for his people. He has a vision for the nations. He has a vision for his church. And that's why he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And each one of us are instrumental to it. 
No, we've taken communion together today. Together, we will stand. Together, we will see this church move forward. Together, we will fulfill destiny. Together, we will do what God has called us to do. We will pray together. We will study together. We will walk together. And we will wear that crown of righteousness together. In Jesus' name, amen. Let us pray. Father, we just want to thank you. We thank you, Father, because you are the one that gives insight. We thank you, Father, for your word that has come forth. Much more than what I have spoken, Father, you can explain and dissect into the hearts of your people. Lord, this morning, we're asking, Father, that you break it down further. That each and every day, Lord, you are, we are reminded that we are part of the vision of this church. You have called us this year to arise, O oh God. Arise from our sleep. Arise from our slumber. Because salvation is closer than when we first received. Help us, Lord, not to be complacent. Help us, Lord, to do the needy. Help us, Lord, to be effective. Help us, Lord, to be the Abrahams, to be the Gideons, to be the Ezekiels, to be the Jeremiahs of our generation, Lord. Let us not leave off the glory of the others, of those who have gone. But let us, oh God, make an impact, Father, for you in the name of Jesus. Let each one of us walk out our salvation, Father, with fear and with trembling. You have called us out of the Marie clay and set our feet upon the rock. Lord, we're asking that you help us. We lift up our eyes unto the hill from where cometh our help. Our help comes from you, the almighty God. This morning, we're asking that you help us. Be our guide. Be our shield. Be our standby. Be the one that would enlighten us. And Father, much more than anything else, we're asking that we will be obedient. Let us walk in faith. Bible says, Abraham believed and you counted it to him as righteousness. Let that be our testimony. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. God bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you were blessed by today's message, why not share it with a loved one? And as always, stay connected by visiting our website at www.lwmi.org.uk. We hope you were blessed.